0: in holy scripture in the epistle of saint paul to the ephesians that we are chosen that we have been chosen in jesus christ as he says before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blemish in his sight in love He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ as his sons, according to the purpose of his will, unto the praise of the glory of his grace, with which he has favored us in his beloved son. This is the opening paragraph of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He wants to remind them of their call to holiness. We have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Before anything existed, we were already loved by God. Love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us first, says St. John. Holiness, our call to holiness, is a real gift. There's nothing we have done to deserve it. It's not that, as Blessed Alvaro used to say, that our Lord kind of uh, created us and then kind of scratched his head and said, now what am I going to do with this person? Mm, Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll call him to holiness or maybe I'll call him to do this and carry out this task. Yeah, it's kind of like an afterthought. Not at all. Our Lord has actually had a plan for us even before he created us. And in fact, what that means is that when he does create us, that he gives us everything we need in order to reach our end our final destination we are called to holiness and and these words are very strong words because he says he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ as his sons according to the purpose of his will you know this is a the strong word here is predestination we have been predestined by our lord to be holy and you might say well what does that mean that i don't have to do anything that if i'm predestined that means i can do whatever i want and then i'll just end up in holiness at the end because i'm predestined no it doesn't work that way predestination here doesn't mean that we are taken to our ultimate end without our cooperation Just the fact that we are called to holiness doesn't mean that we are forced against our will as saint augustine said in one of his sermons he who created us without us because we had we were not asked to come into this world we were we were created everything that we have is a gift he who created us without us will not save us without us in other words our Lord wants our cooperation in order to reach our ultimate end, and that requires our freedom. That requires our freedom. We are we are cooperating in God's plan, but that doesn't mean we're not called to holiness and we're not destined to holiness. Just like a train is destined to a certain station, well, the, in fact, the, the train... This is going to go there unless it's derailed. Of course, there's always that possibility, but um, with us, we want to cooperate as much as we can in that call to holiness. St. Augustine says, And shall I dare to say, I am holy? If I mean by holy that I sanctify myself and that I need no one to make me holy, I would be a liar and full of pride. But if by holy I understand one who is made holy, as we read in Leviticus, you will be holy because I, God, am holy, then the whole body of Christ, down to the last man living at the ends of the earth, may dare to say, together with its head, and under him, I am holy. You know, sometimes we think that, okay, we're we're called to holiness. We may confuse that with having uh, been canonized. I and mean, we're not canonized yet. There are no saints on earth. Saint Josemaria reminds us of that. And, and it's true. We, we don't need to be told by somebody. We don't need to take that on faith. We just look at our own lives. If we are sincere in our examination of conscience and we realize we're not holy but since we are baptized and confirmed we are called to holiness and simply even if we are just baptized we're called to holiness and and we are given all the wherewithal so that we can make it there and yet when we do get there we will never dare say that it was because because of us, just like, and and only us, that we were the sole cause of our holiness or the main cause of our holiness. Like St. Augustine says, you know, if, if, if by holy I mean that I, I become holy by myself, well, then that's not holiness. But it's really always a gift, always a gift. God wants all men to be saved, says St. Paul to Timothy. And what this means is that he just doesn't want us to come in through the back door, so to speak. It's kind of like, "Oof, I made it. I barely made it by a hair into heaven and I snuck in through the back door because I was really bad and then finally I converted at the last minute and I kind of made it to to purgatory, you know. And I'm 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 content with that." No, he wants us to actually give witness that we can be canonizable saints that's that's how that's how big it is we want to enter through the the front door not the back door of heaven you know and when we look at the martyrs of the first centuries the early christians we see how and and not just the martyrs but all christians uh, uh and especially the the first Three centuries when the church was persecuted, we see how it was very real for anyone who took the baptismal commitments that they could have had the possibility of giving their lives for our Lord. And we see that with St. Agnes. We just celebrated that feast recently with, with the, these um, teenage girls that we celebrate, you know. That we mention in the canon of the Mass and the first Eucharistic prayer, Um, you know, and and others, a slave uh, like uh, um, Felicity or her slave owner, Perpetua, both Christians who are martyrs, you know, and Cecilia, Anastasia, all these um, women saints actually who have given their lives and also um, men saints. Everyone actually is called the holiness, and these people were were in all sorts of conditions of life. They they had um, a great variety of professions, backgrounds, you know, states in life, and they're all equally called to holiness. And we see somehow how these martyrs who who um, were strong because they were given that strength by god to bear witness in fact the very word martyr means witness that they inspired many other people to live a a life of holiness of of self-denial of service of charity um and they continue to do so in in our own day but once Christianity was became mainstream once Christianity was Was legalized and it was not persecuted and in fact at some point it may have even been mandated of course that that shouldn't have been but um, The secular power in the in late antiquity certainly um, wanted to use the the Christian faith as a point of unity in the Empire and so it was even mandated and and everything else was kind of outlawed that a lot of people started coming into the faith but without really having the same commitment that the early christians had and there was a lot of decadence and, and a lot of um just you know lukewarmness among christians and what ended up happening is that the holy spirit once again inspired a kind of movement to to heroic holiness and and that's where we get the the saints like uh saint benedict who who gave witness uh to leave by leaving the world by leaving the decadent world and and actually leading a life of austere self-denial you know, and and he became, of course, a monk. And to this day, the Benedictine monks have have given a lot of fruit in the in the um, history of the church. And we see how they have inspired so many people to live a heroic life. You know, um, but a lot of these Christians who wanted to, you know, take their faith more seriously, they. They were known as the athletes of God because they wanted to exercise themselves in in the struggle. And and in fact, the word struggle or exercise in Greek is assesses or that's where we get the word ascetical, ascetical struggle. It's kind of like this exercise of the soul so that we, you know, if we have a comfortable life that we take it upon freely upon ourselves to do exercises of let's say self um self-denial and living temperance or or giving up something freely kind of like what we do in lent but but these people um, back then they did it as a lifestyle and and they left the world so that the world could receive their witness of life and and that helped many people to examine their conscience and and even change However, as, as this kind of happened, it, 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 it just happened. I mean, there was nothing explicitly said, but over time, that if you wanted to take your faith seriously, there was kind of like a tacit kind of understanding that, well, you had to do something special in order to be a serious Christian, you know, like become a priest or become a monk or, or a nun or, you know, later on um you know join a religious order or a congregation or something like that or do something of that nature take a vow um and give up the world and we know that that there have been many saints who have done that but slowly but surely this idea that holiness our personal holiness is Or that the ordinary people are called to holiness just as much as these others who are doing something explicitly and publicly for for the church giving public witness in in their in and through their lifestyle was kind of forgotten you know and and that fast forwarding to the 20th century when we have uh, saint jose maria we see that the message of the universal call to holiness was even deemed heretical. He was even called a heretic when he reminded everyone that everyone is called to holiness because of their baptism. Because of their baptism. Something had happened, you know, from ancient times to recent times that this call to holiness, the personal holiness, had kind of been forgotten. And the Second Vatican Council actually reminds us of of the fact there was kind of a an awareness that we are all called to holiness and that we should be just as as heroic in and through our ordinary circumstances as those early martyrs or those early christians who were simply normal people just giving witness of their faith even if perhaps we are not persecuted and and of course all the more if there is persecution that we that we pray for the grace to be able to bear witness to that when we turn to the ancient uh, world we see that there's a document called the letter to diognetus it's um it's an ancient text that precisely is so up to date in the 21st century today and it reads like this in one of its chapters for the christians are distinguished from other men neither by country nor language nor the customs which they observe for they neither inhibit cities of their own nor employ a peculiar form of speech nor lead a life which is marked out by any singularity the course of conduct which they follow has not been devised by any speculation or deliberation of inquisitive men, nor do they, like some, proclaim themselves the advocates of any merely human doctrines. But inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according to the lot of each of them, has determined, and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct, They display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners, as citizens. They share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. They marry as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they, are not, they do not live after the flesh. This is a beautiful example of how Christians were ordinary people. They did not dress differently. They did not live in a kind of um, commune that was like, or a country that was a, you know, A confessional state or something like that and everybody had to be christian or they they didn't wear anything um that gave them away as disciples of the lord actually our lord is the one that gives us the sign by which we will be known it was not the t-shirt that says i am a christian or i'm a catholic or i'm a i'm trying to be holy or anything like that it's our love Actually, he says that he says, you know, in this we'll all know that you are my disciples indeed if you have love for one another. You know, this is the sign of the Christian, the way we serve one another, the way we love God, but not just theoretically, but in practice by loving our neighbor. That's how we should be known, and. And if we are known by this sign, then we don't need any other sign, any external sign. I mean you you're fine if you want an external sign, go ahead. But it's it's superfluous. And in fact those external signs don't mean anything if our behavior is not marked by this love of Christ. You know. So we have to we have to realize that what's important is is, is true love not just um, a kind of a kind of um, announcement that we are so committed to love holiness is therefore this gift that comes with the gift of the love of God and what we have to do in order to be holy is to struggle to get out of the way that's the first thing and that's through the virtue of humility when we are humble In our struggle and we try to open ourselves up to god then our lord gives us the gift and that's what makes us holy it's his his gift not what we do primarily holiness in the in the bible the word holy means separated separated and you could see that in the book of numbers how well our lord separates a, an entire tribe the priestly tribe of the levites so that they take care of the priestly service and they are holy they're dedicated to god completely and they and also vessels and the you know the sacrifices all that those things that are holy totally dedicated to god they are not to be used for profane use and somehow the the word holiness has this idea of separation and dedication to the Lord. And it is opposed to um, a profane use. And so at first sight the idea that holiness and and the world are are, you know, that we should be holy in the world, that sounds like a contradiction. And in fact that was the mentality that I think St. Josemaria was was um was coming up against that if you want to be holy well you have to be separated and dedicated totally to our lord how could you be in the world like a be a banker or a hollywood actress or um a politician you know or whatever uh and and then be holy i mean who who's holy in those uh realms you know that's kind of like the mentality and no same as i said no precisely you know a religious a um, like a monk or a priest or a bishop or somebody like that they cannot be a hollywood star they cannot be in wall street they cannot be in politics they should stay out of politics but what about the laity the laity they're called to holiness but they should, they have a responsibility to be to sanctify those areas in the world and that's you know that's a liberating thing because we don't have to In order to be holy, in order to live our faith, we don't have to give up these things. What we have to do is purify those things and offer sacrifices, internal sacrifices, so that those things that are evil, not in themselves, but they've been tainted by sin of the people that have carried them out, those activities, that we actually give witness of the fact that, yes, I could be a Hollywood actor or actress and actually be pure and give witness of christ and that doesn't mean i make uh, you know jesus of nazareth movies or something like that or or moses movies no i could make a great work of art that is not explicitly christian but that is absolutely imbued with the spirit of professionalism and and exalts some human value that that inspires others to to do some great thing you know or to simply contemplate beauty in in some way that that in itself is christian and how why is that well because jesus became a man he he incarnated every reality by becoming a man he incarnated every stage of life even carpentry i don't think he was making altars or holy images or anything like that He made tables, he made chairs, he made, he fixed doors, you know, and that was, they were not just for synagogues or whatever, for, you know, no, but the fact that he was doing it with love, with his Father God, in union with his Father God, then all those doors, all all those nails that he drove into the wood, you know, the, the things that he cut with a saw, everything... All that is now somehow sanctified and and purified and elevated to to the level of sacrifice and gift, so that we can do the same. He gave us an example of how to do that. You know, so that's why holiness is not just being separated, as in like physically separated, but dedicated to our Lord in order to have this mission of. Elevation and purification of everything that we do. That's what the original vocation of man was, of man and woman with Adam and Eve. It was till the garden and keep it. In other words, do something to it. Transform it by not not just like a beaver making a dam, because that's not transformative. It is transformative physically, but it's not transformative at the theological level. But when we put love into it in union with God then we do transform it and make it actually a sacrifice to God. And that becomes something holy. That becomes something that we can offer up as long as it is not evil. So all of a sudden, everything we do, every ordinary thing that we do, if we look at it with supernatural colored glasses, can be a little step On our path to holiness and and that's our mission and and when we do that as same as we used to say we sanctify ourselves we sanctify the work that we do and we sanctify others because this being dedicated to God in everything that we do is not just for ourselves it's not just for our holiness it's for the holiness of others as well every person who is dedicated to God Necessarily has this aspect of mission, you know. So let's go back to the early Christians. There's a, a great uh, quotation from Origin, this early ecclesiastical writer. He writes um, a work called *Contra Celsum* against Celsum, who was a heretic, and and so um, basically he says in 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 one of his works here. In one of the books of this work, the early that the early Christians were so zealous that the that the pagan philosopher Celsus could accuse them of taking advantage of their professions as shoemakers, teachers, scrub ladies, in order to sow the seed of the gospel in private houses and in the whole of society. You know, uh, so Origin is is uh giving witness of the fact that this guy celsus is accusing christians of using you know their professions as ordinary people shoemakers teachers scrub ladies in in order to sow the seed of the gospel in private houses and in the whole of society wow well that's precisely right he noticed celsus noticed something and even though he was against Christians, he noticed exactly what we ought to do, actually, is use every occasion, every opportunity to spread the seed of the gospel. That's a beautiful thing. That's something we ought to do, you know. And so um, this is this is our mission. We, we have a great mission in the world. Right. Uh, Pope Benedict speaks of uh, St. Augustine in one of his um, audiences. And he says that Nietzsche, the philosopher Nietzsche of the 19th century, late 19th century, he said he said that he could not stand St. Augustine. He said the man seemed so plebeian and ordinary. Nietzsche is, he uh, continues Pope Benedict, is making a valid point about Augustine but it is precisely here that we find the Saints real Christian greatness he could have been an aristocrat of the mind but for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his fellow men in whom he saw Christ approaching him he abandoned the ivory tower of the intellectual in order to be wholly a man among men a servant of the servants of God for the sake of Christ who was not ashamed to lay aside his divine glory and became a man like us, Augustine relinquished all his higher education and learned to speak God's word ever more simply and plainly to his people. For the sake of Christ, he became increasingly an ordinary man among ordinary men and the servant of all. In the process, he became truly a saint. So here, it's not that Augustine is leaving the world. It's just that he is adjusting his highfalutin speech so that when he does speak the word of god in his case he's a bishop he 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 doesn't draw attention to himself so it's really a a way of being humble and and so that his audience also can understand you know they 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 say that when augustine preached he was so rhetorically um sophisticated that and he hated it when people clapped in his homilies because, or his sermons because uh, some, sometimes he would say something beautifully and people would just clap. And then, you know, he was kind of disturbed by that. Of course, he wanted to be humble. He wanted to disappear. He wanted the word of God to shine through and not his own rhetoric, his own brilliance. Um, and so humility is, is the way he became a saint pope benedict continues christian holiness does not consist in being somehow superhuman or in having outstanding talents or a stature that someone else does not have christian holiness is simply the obedience that makes us available where god calls us to be the obedience that does not rely on our own greatness but allows our god to bestow his greatness on us and knows that only in service and self-surrender can we truly find ourselves this is what holiness is about letting god do in us and not trying to usurp you know the the action of god in our lives so it's not about us doing anything as much as us getting out of the way so that god can do everything this is an existing for and a and not an uh, Uh, And existing apart from others, you know, it's it's a mission that we have to help others also on their way to holiness. I uh, remember one time that um, I was at the DMV at the Department of Motor Vehicles trying to uh, renew my license and. Since it was a renewal, I didn't have to go through the exam or anything like that. I just had to take an eye test and that's it. But the lady behind the counter asked me, Father, is all your information still the same from your current license? And I looked at it and, of course, my name is still the same and um, my address is still the same and my height is still the same and all that stuff. But then I looked at the weight and I said, well... Truth be told, I told her, um, everything is updated except my weight. And uh, she laughed and says, okay, what's your new weight? And I looked at it again and I said, you know what? I kind of like that weight that was there five years ago. Uh, And and I told her, I said, well, let's just leave it there. You know, let's leave it the same. And she said, oh, Father, but that would be lying. And uh, I had a good comeback to her. I said, well... I'll make it a promise, not a lie. How's that? I'll, I promise to make it true. Uh, and uh, and she says, "Okay, father, fine, but make it true." I see, "I guess I still have to go on a diet um, in order to make it true." But anyway, the uh, the point is that our holiness is kind of like this. We are called to holiness. We are called to have that ideal weight, I, I suppose. Uh, but you know, the fact that we are struggling to be holy may seem to us that we're hypocrites because we're not there yet even though people may think we're holy or we look holy or you know whatever we're not we're not but if we make it a promise and not a lie that means we're promising to struggle we're promising to go on that supernatural diet that's going to make us uh holy slowly very slowly <laughs> And hopefully, at the end of our lives, we will be purified enough to be able to, um, you know, enter heaven. And and our Lord will be there. Our Lady will be there too. And even if we have sins, uh, we are in. The, the key would be to be sorry for those sins, and to let our Lord and our Lady um, pull us up into heaven. Well, and give us that gift. Let us turn to. Our Lady, our mother, who's always gonna be there at the end of our lives uh, reminding God of everything that we have done well in his favor and in holiness so that and in his love so that we too can share his life eternally. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect.